You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Because I was able to break away from the older box, then for me, there was no box at all, even though people might try to put me in a box. (laughs) So I feel like identity becomes what others perceive of us, but also what we perceive of ourselves. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. It is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So today's conversation, (laughs) it's a really good example of the types of conversations where it's like, I have my little like, bullet points or questions of like, this is where I want to go. And it's like, oh, no, we're going to go here. And this over here is so much better. <laughs> like, there's so much here. Um, I'm joined by uh, Lucia Doinell and the conversation. We really wanted to get into like, you know, assumptions about identity on the surface. And the reality is it went from, you know, the assumptions to the stories to the, what's the word? The empathy for people that maybe respond a specific way to people based on assumptions. Like there was so much that that came up in this conversation. I, I can't even tell you. So I'm gonna tell you first a little bit about Lucia and then I'm gonna let you go ahead and get on in here. Lucia, do we know, is a Los Angeles-based Argentinian-born photographer and educator. She helps people feel comfortable in front of the camera using spiritual psychology tools. Creating a safe space for vulnerability and authentic expression is rooted in honesty and caring. She believes that words are a powerful tool for intention. Accepting our humanness is key to self-empowerment and letting ourselves be visible. Lucia works closely with how we relate to ourselves as we are being in front of the camera. She uses multiple spiritual psychology tools and techniques to support you in letting go of any challenges that you may feel in the moment from shyness to judgment about your appearance, supporting you in letting go of the fears and doubts that are keeping you from being authentically who you are and showing it to the world. That's what she does. And so can't wait for you to listen. Let's get into it. Welcome, Lucy. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Welcome to Pause on the Play. How are you today? I'm good. I'm feeling fired up and excited to, you know, chat with you after our workshop the other day. So I think it's it's an awesome 
kind of like full circle meeting with you. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So I am super excited for everyone to um, learn about you. And of course, I told them your bio, but I always feel like a bio is like, here's what I do. And here's my like, you know, credibility marker. So I would love for you to share something about who Lucia is as a human to allow the listeners to know a little bit more about you. Oh, thank you. Um, I agree. Sometimes bios are not, they're not the full story. Right. I am Argentinian. So if you hear the accent, that's why. And I like to start all my online conversations like that because I feel like I always get asked. <laughs> and I think that one of the main ways that I, I show up in the world is through owning what makes me different and supporting others in the same. I I live in LA and I I grew up in a different country. I grew up in a different culture and getting used to being in the US, but also being Latina, being a woman has shaped me in a way that it opened my perception of identity. And I think it's very interesting that I use a lot of the work that I do today to help people feel confident on camera. And a lot of the the things that I work with were things that I had to get over with of myself as an immigrant, as someone with a different language, as someone that looks a little bit different, you know? So, and someone that has struggled with self-body image stuff and all the things. So I think it's kind of like, interesting that I that's what I do today but it's a kind of a result of all my experiences and all the ways that I I was seeking uh, answers and support in my life it's so interesting that you mentioned that because um I I find that often we, we don't realize it but we end up being drawn to what maybe we struggled with but the reality is, is that we know it very intimately. And so there's a lot of, of knowledge and context and insight to be shared there. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, what what does the word identity mean to you and how does it influence um, what you do? Because I think everything that you said really does prompt people to think about the fact that your normal is different from what a lot of listeners may consider as their normal. And so what identity means to you and how it shows up in, you know, who you are and what you do, I would love to kind of hear a little more about that from you. Well, I think if, if, if you think about like identity, right, is like, what is your social identity? What is your personal identity? What is your like neighborhood identity, your country, your, <laughs> you know, um, mm -hmm. So there's like different levels to it. And if I think about it from a place of where I came from and where I am right now, I feel like I never, I was never able to fit in a box that I was given. And growing up in a very like machista country, right? Like I had the identity of being a woman in a place where they don't, there's a, there's a lot of things that need to be healed there in terms of uh, being a woman and it's just basically not being a straight white man <laughs> mm -hmm. or a man or just a man right because right. there's I feel like Argentina is, is a it's a melting pot of many people that migrated 
and then got mixed and then got mixed and then got mixed. And it's like, there's no one type that you can say, oh, that person's Argentinian, you know, um, right. unless you just hear our accent. But um, but in, in terms of machismo, like that is that is something that I grew up like my safety was very important to me from a very young age. And also growing up in a neighborhood where it was like a small town and I, I didn't grow up in, in the city. I grew up in the outskirts of the city and I grew up with everybody knew my name. And it was just a very, yeah, kind of like, I don't know how to say this, but I think that what I'm trying to say is that there's expectations that being born in a certain culture, in a certain time, always put us in a box. And mm-hmm. the, the moment we step out of that box, in my case, was moving to the U.S. And that box is no longer there. I'm putting another box, also not of my choosing. But because I was able to break away from the older box, then for me, there was no box at all. Even though people might try to put me in a box. <laughs> So I feel like identity becomes what others perceive of us, but also what we perceive of ourselves. First of all, I didn't even think about it in the context as in the sense of like, you know, you had a box and then here's another box being here. And it is very true. And the interesting thing is I think it's almost like each of these big boxes have all of these small boxes, because I think from a cultural standpoint, you know, wherever it is that someone comes from whatever is the norm in how you are supposed to operate what you are and are not supposed to say or think or do or feel or be and so there's all these smaller boxes and then you're put somewhere else and it's like well some of these look familiar and some of these look completely different but I don't like any of them (laughs) all of them are terrible and you know and even if there are some that you do like it's still trying to maintain what it is that you want and almost having this agreement with yourself that this is what I am choosing for me because this is what I want, not what I was told I had to do. And I think it's a ongoing thing for most people to figure out what that is if they're willing to consciously examine that. And I can clearly see how that would would you know show up often and how visible you are or are not allowed to be based on again that box what are you told yeah and I think that for myself like I grew up with very progressive parents mm-hmm. but even like I'm more progressive than them <laughs> <laughs> that's how it usually happens it's like we just keep and honestly I don't know where this is going but it keeps getting more and more progressive <laughs> It's like the universe keeps expanding. So it's our values and our our perception of reality. But I think that it's so funny because I have these conversations with my dad. My mom passed away when I was 14. So I think that informed a lot of the decisions that I made, healthy or not, um, in my life in terms of like finding my own, healing my grief and healing my own stuff in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that when it comes to, for example, conversations that I have with my dad, like he's very progressive, but I remember like him kind of obsessing about my weight when I was younger. And that made me develop a very this like a discomfort for my body the way it was. Um, judging myself as not being skinny enough and 
he would compare myself to my sister. My sister was naturally um, skinny. And also I think that she also struggled with a little bit of anorexia, which also led me to struggle with bulimia. And nowadays, I, I'm so excited that I actually get to enjoy food, that it doesn't have an emotional value to it, but it took me a long time to get there. And similarly to my body, feeling like my, perf- my body is perfect just the way it is. It doesn't have to be thinner or bigger in order to be worthy of being loved and cared right. for. And I think that's why I preach, I, I, I teach what I preach or like preach what I do, if that makes sense. I don't know. What am I saying? What, what is the saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I wrap the tunnel up. <laughs> and, and I think that there's a lot of value when it's like, what? what I think, what I feel, like I embody that, I do that, I live that. And it's not about doing it perfectly, but what what you said is accurate. And I remember in the workshop that you did do um, in the Pause on the Blade community, one of the things that stood out to me um, and really, really hit home for me, and I don't think it was a concept that I was unfamiliar with, but something about the way that you presented it really struck me. And it was about body image and how sometimes you're given this narrative of, oh, you want to feel good about your body. And your perspective was a little more of, no, I want to feel neutral about it. Because if I'm neutral about it, then I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to just be here. And it's not about feeling good because if I feel good, then that means I can feel bad. And that type of perspective, you know, I'm kind of hearing you echo that again. And I find that there's a lot of power there that you can reclaim when you do that, especially when, I think, unfortunately, you are kind of transplanted into a culture that isn't always, um, what's the word I want to use, considerate of other ways of of thinking or um, as inclusive of just the unique differences. I mean, uh, our culture loves to say that it is here in the U.S., but it's not always as uh, enveloping and welcoming. And I think being able to figure out these things for yourself and not being as dependent on the outside pieces, it's very necessary. So funny because I feel like the U.S. wants to be diverse so bad. The Mm -hmm. visa that I got, so basically I came here because I won the green card lottery. And back in 98, uh, Bill Clinton made up this, this lottery for green cards for countries that had low migration it's this is still going on today this visa mm. is still available to participate in today so this is not something that was taken out of the US um with Trump or anything like that uh but basically the the, the basis of this visa is diversity it's called a diversity visa lottery where countries that have low migration status to the US can apply to become residents in the U.S. It's free to apply. I did it just on a whim. I never thought I would win. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> right. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. If you want a, if you want to win the lottery, you might as well get a ticket. Right. <laughs> you might win. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I, I think that's accurate. I do think there is like, oh, you know, like I, I we, you know, we want to be diverse. We want to be this. We want to be that. And it's like, but you don't want to do the things that are required. You don't actually want to create, you know, systems and structures that support that. And I think, you know, when you think about having a diverse um, country, 
you can't do that and then just want everyone to simply acclimate because that's not that's just taking people that are from different places and forcing them to do the same thing that you and everyone else is doing. And that's not what that is. And um, with you having been here now since um, 2008 and you, I guess in a sense, this is normal. And at the same time, you know, the Lucia who is from Argentina is always going to be there. Um, and so you do still have some of your accent. And the interesting part was I didn't notice it at first when mm. um, India and I first met you. And then when you started to mention it, I was like, oh, now I hear it. And I almost wondered if maybe there um, was a little bit of a comfort of like, I don't have to really, I don't have to hide this. I don't have to worry about it um, because some people aren't always welcoming. And so I guess I'm kind of curious of how maybe having your accent has impacted you personally and professionally over the years. Cause I'm not sure if it's different now than it was then that might be good, different. It might be not so good, different, but I'm curious how that um, has shown up for you. It's so funny. I started working for an American company in Buenos Aires when I was 19 and so like my second, my second or third job out of high school, you know, it was kind of like, I wanted to be able to um, pay my bills and go to college and do all the things. And this was the only job that actually paid kind of well for someone with no experience. Mm -hmm. And the only reason it paid well is because it was in English. An American company mm -hmm. in Argentina, they were basically doing all the customer service and phone sales for American companies abroad, right? So it paid really well um, for being, you know, in Argentina and for someone with no experience. And I remember the first week of being in this company that the first thing that they train you is on accent training. <laughs> oh, boy. And basically, they teach you how to speak with an American accent. And the way, the way that I do, they, they do that is by breaking down every word so that you pronounce every part of the letters. And so there's like this thing called returning to the schwa that I will never forget. Mm -hmm. And it was like, return to the schwa. And then it was like, I remember being like, like, I, I guess like we were reading some rap songs, but just instead, instead of like singing it, we were doing it word by word. Oh my and this lasted for a week. Uh, and then so after they kind of like trained you to speak like an American, it was basically kind of like trying to protect you as well. It's not just about... Mm. Um, so the, the stronger the accent you had, the ruder the customer would be. Ugh. Because they would feel triggered if they don't understand you. It's like when you're speaking to someone uh, in person, there are a lot of like nonverbal cues that you can get away with. That's why communication is not about what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. But when you're on the phone and that's all there is, like they need to be able to understand you, but you cannot not understand someone and be a nice person. Absolutely. 
And please forgive me. In my brain right now, I'm like, oh my God, they made you rap. Like talk rap a song just to, oh my God, this sounds terrible. Why would you do this to, in my head, I'm like, this sounds awful. Why would you do that? And I, I, I find it so contradictory being that there is this um, affinity for accents when, you know, someone is like, oh, well, that's sexy or it's this or it's that. And in these other ways, it's like, oh, no, it's terrible. Let's penalize somebody for having it. And yet, oh, but we want you to be diverse. It just. Well, yeah. In their, yeah, in their in their case, they knew that if I had a better experience on the phones, right. I would work there longer. So right. let's say that I have an accent and people are rude and they're asking for my manager in their whatever. People that call a customer service line, they're already upset because there's an issue, right? right. So on top of that, they're not, they're finding that the person that is picking up the phone doesn't, they can't understand them. Right. Imagine. And also like, I say they can't understand them or they're not willing to understand because I've heard yes. many people that don't speak Spanish natively speak Spanish with an accent. And I'm like... I completely understand you. So it's all about like right. trying to understand the other person, right? It's like the entitlement of like, oh, you need to speak perfectly or right. other ones that will not understand you. I, so I get that. But that kind of, to me, made me feel, and I'm realizing this now, that the way that I spoke English up until then was not good enough. Right. And ever since I've been trying to always try to, to enunciate better, to be able to because I I teach non uh, like Americans, you know, I teach any like people from all around the world how to take their own self portraits, how to make their own videos, how to feel confident on camera, and I want you, I want them to be relaxed and to be able to understand me without trying to guess what I'm saying, right? So that's one aspect. Mm -hmm. But I'm realizing that a part of me feels feels or felt up until now that that I had to make an, eff an effort in that sense so that they will understand me or, and they will be more open to what I have to say. And I know that the way that I speak is worthy enough and even adorable, right? I've, I used to, so when I was, I think, what, 2021? 20, mm -hmm. Oh God. So one summer I decided to go spend it in Barcelona and I went to... It was the winter there. So it was summer in Argentina, winter in Europe. And I spent the winter working next to, um, in, the, in the mountains, so I could snowboard during my breaks mm -hmm. <laughs> and waiting tables at a hotel during the day, during the night. And I, I fell in love with this Frenchman. And... I had this whole love story with this French man. And I remember he learned Spanish by living in, in Andorra. So mm -hmm. his Spanish was like half Spanish, half Catalan. I don't know how to say Catalan in, 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 in English, but I think it's the same word. So okay. it's from Catalonia. It's a, regional, it's a regional dialect that is not Spanish, but it sounds like Spanish. Got it. <laughs> so he was speaking half Spanish, half Catalan, self-taught by living in, in Andorra. And I thought he was the most adorable person with the most adorable accent. So cute. I 
melted every time he spoke Spanish. Obviously, that's why I kind of like I felt for him. But <laughs> right. either way, <laughs> it made me rethink of how I was relating to myself as I was speaking in English. Witnessing mm. him make mistakes and being so cute in his mistakes. He wasn't perfect. Right. And that's what made him beautiful. And so like that healed a lot of my own unresolved stuff with my accent. But I do say it sometimes because I kind of get a, get uh, impatient when people are trying to guess where I'm from instead of listening to what I have to say. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's just like, let's, let's get this distraction out of the way. I know you're thinking about this. I'm not from <sighs> Europe. I'm not from Egypt. I'm not from, <laughs> I'm not French. Okay. Even though my family maybe comes part of it from France, some other from Portugal and where else we don't know. Mixed with native and... People think they know what to expect, but they have not met you yet. Bi-weekly, India Jackson, my co-founder here at Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. And if you'd like to hear a little bit more of the types of conversations that I'm having with Lucia, because you can see, like, this conversation takes a beautiful life of its own. India is going to be having a conversation with her soon about how to feel confident to be seen so that you can increase your visibility and impact own your values and amplify your influence today by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow. We can't talk around topics. We must use language to call it what it is, no matter how palatable or unpalatable it may be. The same way that we are discussing assumptions about identity on the surface and beyond. This is why it's so important to be clear on your values, what matters to you, and how you can lead from a place of clarity, understanding, and empathy. Leading through your values means being explicit about what you support and how your actions are aligned in that way. Every person you hire, every business you buy from, everything that you support brings you closer to or further away from your values. These are the decisions that will ultimately shape how you run your business and how you live your life. Learn more today at pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit. The, the thing about that, of course, people are, are, are hearing this or reading the show notes. And so they can't actually see you. Um, and so I would actually like you to give some context of if someone were to hear you and then didn't see you, what maybe their differences in how they respond to you are versus, oh, I've seen you and then I hear you speak. Because I oh, do think that so people, <laughs> people have assumptions <laughs> on both ends and I'm like, oh, I have to go here. <laughs> what she's trying to say is that I'm white passing. And my partner, who is also Black, makes fun of me for being white passing. And that, like, I can't take pride in my, in my Latin uh, roots for some reason, because, like, you're white. Uh, but I'm not white. Um, I do look white. And I think that if I do not open my mouth, um, my experience is very different from when I do open my mouth. I was... When I was um, 18 or 20, I used to get the work and travel visa to go to 
uh, work as a photographer. That's how I got into photography, by the way. Uh, mm. <laughs> I was very young. I got this job at this company called Sharpshooters in Vail, Colorado, which is in the mountains. So I could go skiing. And I got hired on a job fair in Buenos Aires when they were trying to scout for, for workers for the, for the W-2 visa. It's a thing. I don't know why. And uh, I nailed my interview because I speak really well in English. People that did not speak very well did not get the job. My boyfriend at the time, ex-boyfriend now, did not get a job. Uh, but he wanted to apply for that job and for us to work together there. But they hired me and not him. So he went with like, okay, I'll find a job when I get there kind of situation. And so I was living in Vail. I remember just he got a good job. I actually, when we got there, I spoke to the manager in the other store and they, I, I told like, he's a good worker. He's going to learn. He's great. And he looks at him. He's like, you're hired. She sold you well. <laughs> <laughs> he was so shy. Oh, poor thing. Um, and so the thing is that I was on the bus going to work or coming back from work. And I was like chit-chatting with my friend. And we were, I think we were speaking Spanish because I think it was one of my Latin friends. And this is a very popular thing to do in the winter. You just go there for the jobs, for the season, you get hired, that's, you make a few dollars and you go back, you know? And I remember this one man looks at us, like looks at me actually and says, go back to your country, stop taking our jobs. And this was the year, yeah, what? I know, I was, sh I was shocked. He was, there was so much hurt in his voice. And, and I, I know that what he sees is like, you are this other person that is taking my job. I don't think he was a photographer. <laughs> right. I'm not taking your job. It's true. I am not taking anything from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I could see his hurt. The hurt of someone that is struggling, that does not know how to provide for their family because there are no jobs the rest of the year. Because during the summer, there's not much to do in Colorado. Uh, okay. It's a winter spot, you know what I mean? Right. So in the winter, there's so many jobs, they even outsource, they even hire out, you know what I mean? But during the summer, there's no jobs. And so... I respect the hurt of that person. I have nothing against that person, but it made me think about how the, the, the thought that it's because I'm from another country, not because I, I could have had a New Yorker accent. Right. And you tell me to go back to your city or something. City folks, stop getting our, our jobs. Right. You know, I don't know. It wasn't that. You know what I mean? It was because I was Latin and he felt he could say that to me. And that I wouldn't do shit, you know, and I look at, and I feel like I, it's, it's kind of like, this is like real life criticism that does not apply to me. And I have compassion for that person, but there are trolls online all the time of people that are hurting. They are trying to blame it on someone else. Right. And so sometimes when I get a comment like that or an email, so someone that didn't like that I sent that I'm trying, that I'm sending a service. <laughs> I was like, why are you on my list if you don't like that I'm selling? <laughs> right. Like, this is what I do for a living. Like, if you want to be friends, you can just like, 
follow me on Instagram. I don't know. Like, don't get on my list, you know? Period. Uh, but no, anyway, that the so it's, I don't know. Like sometimes if I do get a something, you know, like a like a a hurtful comment, I've learned to say thank you for caring enough to share that with me. Mm-hmm. And they usually they never reply back or they no. say thank you. Or they just realize what they said, you know? <laughs> right. And and usually I do, I think it's either that moment of, oh shit, that was an asshole comment to make. Or, oh, I did not get the combative response that I was seeking so that I could go back and forwards. I'm not going to get what I'm looking for in this moment. So let me go elsewhere to find the vitriol that I'm seeking. I know, because we all love drama. Who doesn't like a good comment fight? You better you find know? a good show on TV and get your drama. Don't go in people's DMs. <laughs> you don't know what you might get and you might not be looking for it. Don't Exactly. Don't no, no, but I mean, <laughs> no, but have you seen like sometimes people comment on on, on threats and stuff and they mm-hmm. go at each other? It's like there's yes. so much drama going on. I'm like, yes, ah, people love yes. the drama, you know, so or I like, for example, like, no, no, no. Or sometimes you just have an opinion and like you go to the comments to see somebody already said it. Right. Right. And, 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 and I mean, here's the thing, like you said, like there are definitely times where there'll be a comment thread and I'm like, you know, I might get, I don't know, 10 comments in reading it. And I'm like, let me get out of here. This is going terribly wrong. And I want nothing to do with this, (laughs) you know, because there are people in it. And I'm like, what What about today says I'm going to go and try to ruin somebody's life today in the comment thread on social. Like, what is what is it about today that you need to do this? And, you know, it is it is one thing if there is something that, you know, legitimately needs to be defended or needs to be um, addressed. But the just. I don't like the color of your shirt today. And I'm I'm just going to be contrary just because I feel like it. Like there are just people that seek things that they are unhappy about, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, no. And the funny thing is with so much of what you do being based around really supporting people to feel more comfortable in their skin to be who and how they are when it comes to capturing that you know, I think about somebody like Elizo, where someone always has a comment and it's like, that woman is living her best life. Go sit down. She's not concerned about <laughs> you. You just want to talk about her. She's not concerned about you. And so whatever your judgment is, she does not have to assume the form that you want her to in order for her to be acceptable. You don't have to like it, but there are people that don't like what you do. So you know, we all are in that place of I need to stay kind of in my bubble when it comes to my assumptions and my projections, because I find that that is where people really get into trouble. And that's why that reconsidering your normal is so important, because it's just like, well, you know, you're not supposed to do that. No, that's just what you think I'm not supposed to do. And you're entitled to that thought. But that doesn't mean that I have to adhere to it. And I think it's a constant ongoing thing to remind people of that. And so I'm curious of, you know, if you were to prompt the listeners to, you know, kind of have one thing to reconsider about what they think is normal after listening to our conversation, like, what do you think that that might be? Because 
what I love about this conversation is we went to a lot of things and a lot of it did address these constructs that we create for ourselves and others. So if you were to prompt people to have one thing that they could do to maybe move away from that, what would you prompt them with? Mm. I've been having a few conversations this last week. Um, and one of the things that I kept hearing is that the thing that is keeping most of us from showing up and being seen and sharing what we want, really want to do, right? Like our business. There's a reason we're entrepreneurs. Like if we were like to be unhappy doing what we do, we would just work for somebody else, you know? So a lot of the people that they see these like coaches and entrepreneurs like posting their photos and making these videos. And there's a lot of comparison going on. Uh, people comparing themselves to others. And that's what's keeping them from showing up and being seen because they think that the way that they can show up is not good enough. Mm-hmm. That they have to have makeup and hair every day then in order to be able to show up or whatever that whatever that story may be. And I think if I could give you one piece of I guess like one mindset mindset shift that you could walk away with right now is upgrading that the thought that you need to be like anyone else. You are worthy of being seen. You're worthy of taking up space. You're worthy of being completely different than anyone else in your industry. And If you see someone else that you are comparing yourself to, you you want to flip that into how can this person become a muse for my inspiration and not a block to my creativity? Because Mm. what we're doing is like showing up as creatives. Video is a creative medium. Photo is a creative medium. Writing is a creative medium. We just use it for business, but it's all creative. So how can I flip this? Because there's something called positive projection that projections is what we're perceiving outside of the other person is a reflection of how I feel inside of myself, right? They're mirroring us. It's like a mirror of what the other person's doing is how I'm feeling inside. If I'm seeing someone, I'm comparing myself and I'm feeling shitty about myself, you need to forgive the part of yourself that feels like it's not worthy of being seen worthy of showing up and taking up space. If you can flip that into a positive, use it as inspiration to fire up your creativity, lift you up. All of that. And you'll be able, yeah, and you'll be able to create from a much better place. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, it's, it's funny. You can't, you like my face, I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, yes. All of that. Yes. Yes. Please take all of these words seriously, people. I'm just saying, like, all of this, like, take this little part and just go back to it when you need it. Because the being worthy of being being seen and taking up space and being visible and just that that mirroring back of like, this is what I need to take care of within myself. This is what I need to forgive or release. I think these types of mindset shifts make such a difference. Such, such, such a difference. Thank you for that. That was huge. So before we go, 
I need you to tell people where they can find you, where they can support you, where they can learn more, all the things. I need y'all to go learn about Lucia. So tell them where, where to go to learn more about you, the human, and what it is that you do as a photographer. Well, I'm sure you're going to have some link to click on the show notes, but you can watch my free Masterclass 5 Steps to Creating High-Quality Photos of Yourself Without Feeling Upward. Um at selfportraitconfidence.com slash masterclass. And the other way that you can follow up is via Instagram at the Lucias. And I'm there and I post videos often and post often about these topics. And I go with stories and I share deeper kind of like mini classes about the things that come up for for my students and for my clients. And so if you like this kind of content that we just talked about, I think you could really benefit from hearing a lot more that I literally give for free in my Instagram. So amazing. Thank you so much, Lucia. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your context, your expertise, more about your story. And I'm excited for everybody to continue to learn more about you. So thank you. Thank you. I fucking love when a conversation is like, I don't care where you want me to go. I'm going to do this. Like, <laughs> That is a thing that I have such an affinity for. And I am so incredibly grateful to Lucia for being open, for being vulnerable, and just for sharing not only her experience, but also her insight into how these assumptions about ourselves and others they don't support us in our lives. They don't support us in being visible. They don't support us in being able to really make the types of impact in the world that we want to make. And so reconsidering your normal, like this is such a cornerstone of this type of concept. So as always, I love the fact that you really took in this and you're able to get these important pieces from this conversation because this is what I live for. It's amazing. And so Every time that you show up here, being a part of taking in these real conversations in order to normalize the challenging things and to make them a part of your everyday exchanges each time you do that, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. So together, let's continue getting more people to drop the veil and challenge their thoughts, feelings, and actions. Until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. 
Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?